to the people of North Carolina, thank you so much for electing me as your governor for another four years. With six more years in the U.S. Senate, I will work tirelessly to make sure that we continue to provide opportunities and continue to fulfill promises and continue to make this nation and this state as great as it can possibly be. Record turnout and what appears to be a notable red wave. This is the WNC Politics Podcast. I'm Jeff Tiberi. The most consequential election in at least 40 years in North Carolina is in the books, at least most of it's in the books. And we're going to bring you an abbreviated, somewhat uh, emergency, late night podcast. Uh, Rusty Jacobs is here and we are recording uh, in the first hour of Wednesday, November 4th, to bring you some of the results from last night. Rusty's in Chapel Hill. I'm at my home in northern Wake County. Rusty, how are you? A little tired, but I'm here. Record turnout came and went uh, during the 17-day early voting period and also on Election Day. What we're looking at is roughly a million people who voted on Election Day in North Carolina. Turnout hovered at 74.55%. We're going to chat with Rusty about that in just a moment. If you're just waking up, if you're uh, downloading the podcast, knowing some of what happened, want to just touch on uh, a brief overview for you beginning at the top of the ticket. Donald Trump, as we record this again, that's my preface. I promise not to do it seven times here. Uh, Donald Trump leads Joe Biden in North Carolina uh, by about 76,000 votes. Uh, There are a number of outstanding votes by mail-in ballots uh, that potentially could come in. And if all of those are still outstanding, it is possible that this race could get very close. But at this point, uh, it looks as though Donald Trump, in the history books, years from now, will carry North Carolina. It looks as though Tom Tillis uh, is the winner in that U.S. Senate race, the most expensive U.S. Senate race in the history of the United States. And then uh, the gubernatorial race, Roy Cooper declared a victory tonight. He spoke. Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest uh, conceded uh, defeat tonight. So uh, Democratic Governor Roy Cooper won this race uh, by about four and a half percentage points, and he will get uh, another term as the state's executive. So those are some top line issues. We'll pivot to the legislature in a moment, but spoiler alert, uh, it is Republicans who uh, appear to be poised, unofficial results, but Republicans appear poised to maintain majorities in both the North Carolina Senate and the North Carolina House. Rusty Jacobs, uh, my loyal comrade uh, covering this election across 2020. I mentioned at the top, Rusty, we saw 75% turnout were you surprised by that? Were you blown away by that? Did you? What do you make of the turnout? I wasn't surprised by the turnout. I think that a lot of people expected that, especially robust turnout during early voting and absentee by mail voting, would benefit Democrats. A lot of the surveys of public preferences when it came to likely voters and how they wanted to vote during the COVID nineteen pandemic indicated Democrats were likely to rely on absentee-by-mail voting more than uh, Republicans. And then in North Carolina, absentee voting is both mail-in and in-person. And we had 17 days of early voting. And for a, a good part of that early voting period, Democrats held an edge. Now, 
If you were watching it, you'd notice the gap narrowed. Republicans came on. And then uh, if you look at the numbers, mail-in voting is where Joe Biden held a big advantage. When it came to early in-person voting as well as Election Day voting, Donald Trump uh, holds big leads and advantages in those categories, which would suggest that a Republicans came out in force, probably not just for Donald Trump, but for the down ticket races, which you've already mentioned, uh, and also came out in, in pretty strong numbers during in-person early voting. And so Republicans may have had bigger advantages than people expected in that in-person early voting category. Rusty Jacobs here on the WNC Politics Podcast. We're going to just quickly address some things because I imagine most of you were, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you were up late at night or you're consuming uh, this in other places. And what we have, again, are unofficial results. Uh, This has happened uh, on a night when we do not have, as we you know, we're, we're preparing for, we're warned about, we're uh, expecting in part, we do not have conclusions nationally. As Rusty and I talk here, we do not know who has won the presidential race across the country. We do not know uh, which party will have power in the next U.S. Senate. That again, as Rusty uh, just mentioned, all these mail-in ballots across the country, it was, uh, of course, a highly utilized form of voting here in 2020 um, due to both the pandemic as well as some concerns uh, about the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, Rusty, you have been looking at the various facets of elections here in North Carolina for much of 2020. Uh, As we headed into this election day, uh, there were concerns uh, about civil unrest, possible voter intimidation, possible voter suppression. Uh, did, did any of those come to fruition on Election Day? No, I'd say that is a pretty bright spot for this whole election period, right? It's not really an Election Day anymore. It's an election season. And uh, early voting, there were virtually no incidents that raised major concerns about voter intimidation. Uh, there was a statement by Executive Director of the State Board of Elections, Karen Brinson-Bell, on the morning of Election Day, uh, noting that things went really well. And uh, I would say the same seems to have been the case for Election Day. The only major turbulence was some polling sites opened late uh, because of either staff showing up late or technical problems. Uh, That led to extended hours for some of the precincts, which meant later results on election night. Uh, But other than that, there there were no major problems. So some more unofficial election results as we tick through uh, a cursory recap of what happened uh, last night. In the uh, 13 North Carolina congressional races, take a deep breath, I'm not going to roll you through all of them. Just as a reminder, we entered Election Day, we entered this election season with 10 Republicans and three Democrats in the North Carolina House delegation. Because of a redraw of congressional maps about a year ago, we were widely expecting there to be two Democratic pickups, and that did happen on Tuesday night. Deborah Ross won a newly drawn 2nd Congressional District. Kathy Manning won a newly drawn 6th Congressional District. There were two other uh, races that we had eyes and ears on, uh, and we knew that those would be 
uh, a stretch for Democrats, or we knew that if a Democrat won, it would signal a big night for Democrats. But again, that did not happen here on November 3rd of 2020. In the 8th congressional race, it was Republican incumbent Richard Hudson defeating Patricia Timmons Goodson uh, by uh, about six and a half, six and three quarters uh, percent. So that was a, a comfortable victory for him there. And then in the 11th congressional district, it was Madison Cawthorn, a Republican, uh, defeating Mo Davis. And he did that quite comfortably by more than 12 points. Madison Cawthorn uh, fills the seat that was most recently held by Mark Meadows, who is now the chief of staff for Donald Trump at the White House, of course. Madison Cawthorn additionally will become uh, the youngest member of Congress. He is just in his mid-20s. So some very tight races here, as well as nationally, Rusty. The tight races here, I mentioned that presidential race at the top. We do anticipate that getting closer as more mail-in ballots are tallied. Uh, whether or not that's going to be enough for uh, former Vice President Joe Biden to overtake Donald Trump here seems like it would really, ha- it is plausible for that to happen. So that's that's one race that's really tight. Another race worth noting that is exceptionally close again, as you and I record here in the early hours of Wednesday morning, uh, is in a uh, North Carolina Supreme Court race. This is for the chief justice seat. And Republican Paul Newby leads Democrat Sherry Beasley by uh, just less than 4,000 votes. This is uh, six hundredths of a percent separating these two. And because it's a statewide race, because they're separated by less than 10,000 votes, this could be going to a recount. So I wanted to just check in with you, Rusty, on the litigation front. There are hundreds and hundreds of lawsuits that have been filed across the country, dozens and dozens, I believe, here in North Carolina. Do we have any indication, dare you uh, entertain a speculative question from me about, uh, you know, what lawsuits, what litigation we might see, if any, here in the coming days? Or was this a strong enough way for Republicans that perhaps that's unlikely? The biggest issue has been this extended deadline for counting absentee ballots postmarked by but received after Election Day. State law had allowed absentee ballots postmarked by November 3rd, but received up to three days after that date to be counted. Then there were some lawsuits filed by voting rights advocacy groups. They wanted to ease absentee ballot rules even more, clear away any obstacles, especially as more people wanted to vote that way amid the COVID-19 pandemic. What happened was the Democratic majority appointed state elections board in an effort to resolve a lot of these lawsuits just ahead of the election, uh, hammered out a comprehensive settlement. Uh, One of the provisions in that agreement was to extend the counting deadline for those postmarked absentee ballots up to nine days after Election Day, which would have been or would be November 12th. That agreement was approved by a state court. Republican lawmakers immediately sought federal court intervention to block that from happening. Eventually, they put a request for an emergency stay with the U.S. Supreme Court. And then just recently, a 5-3 majority, including Chief Justice Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh joining three liberals, declined the emergency stay request. Now, no ruling has been made on the merits in that case. But as you said, the issue could become moot because it looks like Republicans are pretty much coming away with the victories they want. So again, just to to mention the turnout from tonight, which was uh, astonishing. And if you had asked anybody, I don't know, 10 weeks ago, three, four months ago, nobody would have predicted 
near 75% turnout here in North Carolina. May very well tick up above 75% uh, once uh, all the mail-in ballots uh, are cast, uh, depending on what comes in. Uh, just quick math, back of the envelope math, Rusty. 720,000 additional voters cast ballots in North Carolina, roughly 720,000 in 2020 compared to 2016. And I, I mentioned this last night during our special coverage several times. Uh, I do think it bears uh, a reminder or worth mentioning again is that the the predictive models, the people who live and breathe this stuff, and I, I'm not talking about you and I, I'm talking about the strategists and the, the, the campaign managers and, and, and the forecasters here in the state, the people who are running campaigns, uh, they, they expected there to be somewhere between 69 and 71% turnout, and 71 might even be on the high side, a little bit less than 71. So as we tick towards 75%, and I talked to people in the days leading up to this election. It was interesting because uh, people on the right and on the left conceded to me that ultimately they didn't know. They didn't know how this was going to break. And the, the, the smartest ones are the people who I, I guess I have the most respect for said to me, and anybody who tells you they know what's going to happen, they're lying to you or they're overplaying their hand because nobody knows at this point. This was a, a sliver of the, the electorate. This was, you know, maybe 200 to 300,000 more voters than really anybody anticipated North Carolina seeing. And not very much is understood or known or predicted about these, uh, these voters in our state. Uh, so, there is a whole lot to digest. We're going to be unpacking it and, and reviewing it and uh, deconstructing it, I think, in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, Rusty, it, it has been a late night, and I don't want to keep you for, or it's been a long day. I don't want to keep you for too much longer. Um, a, a final thought or, or any other reflections as we, uh, as we take a break for now um, from, this, uh, from these results? A lot of unexpecteds, right? You talked about the turnout. Historic. Um, was it the voters that political scientists expected to turn out, to expected to um, contribute to that historic turnout. Again, uh, in-person early voting and Election Day voting looks like uh, all the advantages went to uh, the Republican ticket, uh, both Donald Trump and down-ballot races. Also unexpected, perhaps, some of the outcomes. I mean, the, the Democrats were... In, in North Carolina, we're speaking a lot more confidently about challenging those simple Republican major- majorities in the state House and Senate. I'll tell you what wasn't unexpected, that 8-5 congressional split. That's exactly what everybody thought would happen when those maps were redrawn, which goes to show you one thing. When lawmakers who've been in office for a long time and are familiar with the maps and no outcomes draw the maps, those are the outcomes that happen. Uh, of course, there's not going to be a Democratic majority in either the state House or Senate uh, that can try to pass a legislation for an independent redistricting commission. So this may be the way maps continue to be drawn in North Carolina. But again, that 8-5 split is exactly what people thought. Another unexpected is, is perhaps how poorly Mo Davis did in the 11th district against Madison Cawthorn. Uh, you know, a Guantanamo Bay chief military prosecutor against a little known, now the youngest member of Congress, who's been tied to some pretty unseemly posts uh, on social media. Rusty Jacobs, uh, the colleague, the, uh, the comrade here in 2020, uh, Rusty Jacobs, WNC Politics reporter. Thank you for coming on the uh, WNC Politics podcast. Uh, I guess we'll we'll be back at it before we know it. Thanks, man. You're welcome. 
Before we get you out of here, uh, I've said for months on our airwaves, on this podcast, on national programs that uh, get desperate and turn to me on occasion, that the biggest prize in 2020 in North Carolina was power of the General Assembly. That's because this is a year that ends in a zero census year. Next year, redistricting year. That means the party in power gets to uh, navigate the next round of redistricting. Ostensibly, we'll have the ability to set the table for the next decade, at least, of policy. And the Republicans will maintain majorities in both the North Carolina Senate and the North Carolina House. We do uh, project, we uh, our unofficial results are that uh, Democrats will pick up one seat uh, at least in uh, the, the North Carolina Senate. Uh, but as of right now, there is a new Hanover County District, one we featured uh, on a recent podcast episode between uh, Democrat Harper Peterson and Republican Michael Lee, a rematch from 2018. As of right now, Michael Lee is in the lead there. He is ahead of Peterson, but there are mail-in ballots in that district. So uh, that district, I don't believe, has been called tonight. I haven't seen that district called anywhere. But it will remain a Republican majority uh, in the North Carolina Senate. On the House side, uh, it was a particularly good night for Republicans. Uh, They won seats currently held by Democrats in the following counties, Wake County, Mecklenburg County, Cumberland County, Watauga County, Richmond County, and Jackson County. So they did it in six different places, uh, and they did it in college towns, Western Carolina uh, as well. Uh, That's the Jackson uh, 119 race in which uh, Mike Clampett took back his seat from Joe Sanquin. Republicans also uh, took back a Watauga County seat. Ray Pickett defeated Ray Russell. So uh, initial projections, expectations see a majority in the North Carolina House of Republicans moving from 65 to uh, potentially 69. That's the quick math uh, that I have after uh, a rather long day. All right, we're going to land the plane there for now. There will be more WNC Politics podcast offerings, and uh, we're glad to have you with us. We, I am glad that you have been uh, listening to the podcast, engaging on email and Twitter Uh, and finding me and telling me what you have liked and what you have not liked here uh, in this uh, incredible 2020 calendar. It was this monumental election, and then you throw in a pandemic, you throw in a racial reckoning, uh, and it really uh, has been a rather long year. Thank you for listening. Hope you'll join us again uh, later this week. Plan is to convene uh, Becky and Rob, Becky Gray, conservative John Locke Foundation, Rob Schofield, Progressive NC Policy Watch, as we continue uh, to wrap our our heads and our hands around, again, what is a red wave, a a very good night for Republicans in North Carolina here on Election Night 2020. Podcast, as always, you know the deal by now. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Play. You can download it there. You can share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. For Rusty Jacobs, I'm Jeff Tiberi. We will talk to you again soon.